<laughs> awesome. Metallica, man, that's some old stuff right there. Yeah, they. Uh, I've I've loved them since high school, kind of low key, but man, they sometimes they're just perfect. <laughs> Fair enough. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we'll be, uh, I guess this is part three now, of the uh, Dodgeball Tribune um, Invitational Recap, and here to help me close this out is Tyler Greer. Tyler, thanks for hopping on again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, it's Wednesday. Um, what, three? Oh, no, it's not, it's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell how my week's going. I'm like, I'm wondering, I'm like, well, when are you uh, releasing this? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, at the time of this recording, it's Tuesday. So you've had, I guess, one full day of non-dodgeball. Um, how are you feeling? Just, just start there. Yeah, uh, I'm feeling better today. Yeah, uh, better. I was good. I was just, it was just tiring. It was a lot, um, a lot behind the scenes, you know, just that's how it goes with running a tournament. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, Felt good to not have to wake up early. Felt good to not, you know, have to uh, round up people, yell at people, you know, the usual. But um, it was just nice to get a little breather. But um, unlike Elite or USA Dodgeball, after their very long uh, year, I'm I'm still ready to go. I still want more Dodgeball. I still want <laughs> to see more tournaments like mine. So, yeah, I'm excited. Uh and, you know, there was a lot of positives that came out of the tournament. So, um, definitely, you know, there's always pros and cons to everything. But, um, you know, overall, definitely a lot of positives and um, excited about that. So Awesome. Well, hopefully we can get into into some of that later on uh, in this episode. Um, but that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're not burnt out. And, yeah, it's definitely an advantage when you're not um, – not, not to downplay your role at all, but when you're not, you know, USA Dodgeball and Elite and we've got – what like three, six, nine, twelve, like thirteen events to run. So, but yeah. I feel like that's that's important. Um, it's good to be able to see Mark play, even though the poor guy broke his finger. But it's good to be able to give them a chance to have fun and, and kind of not worry about having to to herd the cats and and all that other stuff. So, but I'm, I'm glad to yeah. hear that you're you're just as motivated sounding as you were before. Yeah, Definitely, yeah. Doesn't want that to continue. Um, I do need to do some house cleaning real quick. Uh, I just wanted to apologize uh, formally to Joe Fernandez. Um, he said something about pumpkin spice lattes being really good, and I think I called him a variety of, of bad names and, and, and said he was weak, and I am actually sipping on one, one right now. They're actually really good. So <laughs> I, uh, I told him I'd, I'd air that. And also I need to apologize to Monique Aguilar. She knows what I did. I'm so sorry. Um, I did not mean it, but uh, I'll leave that one there. And then also... Um, because we were talking about earlier how people were like listening to this podcast uh, uh, as they're traveling to to the uh, the tournament, and uh, Tad DeLugo, man, <laughs> yeah, a kid cracks me up. And um, this might be a segue, but uh, he really took the unfortunate story um, or unfortunate like connotation to heart. Um, I guess it really hit like hit him in the feels, but so much in fact that it fueled him to to win a medal. So congrats, Tad, and we can probably go back to you when we look at the stats, but. Uh, yeah, I, I mentally noted I was going to take care of those three things, but um, let's go back to uh, just the the event overall, and um, you know, 
looking back, was there anything that was like the most notable for you? Just um, maybe from like an organizational standpoint, let's start with that one. Yeah. Um, you know, what was notable, at least for me, was, um, I mean, obviously the tournament, the overall tournament winners, uh, they happen to be the same, uh, you know, a team that had won one of the divisions, but all three divisions were won by a different team. And so that was really, that was, that's just, you know, awesome to see that, to know um, that that's kind of, you know, we've seen a lot of parody in elite dodgeball and that's not a bad thing at all, but it's just nice to sit there and be able to one, have players play with people that they don't get to play with ever. And two, you actually, we actually got to see three different winners, you know, not only for the men, but for the women. Um, and so that was, um, that was a big, big thing to see. I really liked seeing that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, having three different winners, that was, uh, really nice to see. And, um, you know, that was the goal of it. Um, and it was also really cool to, to see a draft, uh, to see that play out, um, and yeah, I'm sure there'll be some follow-up questions to this, but yeah, that, that's basically my notable thing was seeing three different winners and, uh, and just, you know, seeing players get to play with other people that they never get to play with. So I think that was the coolest part was just looking at the lineups, you know, as we re reviewed them, uh, in the pre-cap. And then also for me, since I didn't necessarily have anywhere to be, I wasn't refing, I wasn't playing on a team. I got to see a lot of that. Like I see a lot of names with people I would normally never see ever. And um, that was cool. I felt like it brought just, you know, a whole new um, level of dodgeball that we're just not used to, um, being that we're, you know, from, from elite and have our, our traveling teams that we stick with. So um, that was cool. And then one thing I wanted to, to note was um, I kind of got lost in the moment. Um, I forgot that this was your thing. Like, it just felt like another dodgeball tournament to me. And <laughs> when I say that, I, mean, I say it with, like, another dodgeball tournament within like the past four years, like a good one. So good. the, um, yeah, I, I just, I, it, it just felt seamless. Like you could have swapped out. Um, you could have, or I guess you could have included, you know, USA dodgeball banners or elite banners and I wouldn't have known the difference. So it looked like it was just well, well run. And, you know, minus some, some moments where, you know, people had to chase down, chase down refs. I mean, that's like, it wouldn't be a dodgeball tournament without that. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was overall really awesome. And I love the food spread. Uh, probably owe you a couple of dollars because I definitely had my fill of broccoli and carrots and the croissants were so good. So it's on the house. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm to you a couple bucks for that. But um, yeah, man, let's just go ahead and um, actually, so we kind of talked about your opinion as an organizer. How about as a player? Uh, were you able to kind of just take your mind out of, you know, running everything and, and actually enjoy playing? Yeah. I mean, for the most part I was, um, you know, I had, I had Joe running it. Um, it was a little, uh, not chaotic, but just, um, difficult. Cause I didn't, I wasn't able to secure a second, uh, speaker and therefore, we had, you know, we had our main gym and then we had, we had a court, our main court, and then we had another court and they were separated by like two walls. So, you know, basically had to be running back and forth. Um, someone who I am in debt to, she's amazing, um, played and was a captain, Ashley Cook. She uh, just really stepped up, helped out, uh, basically ran women's um, 
and just kept them moving along. You know, that was, that's the biggest thing you always kind of, as an organizer, organizer, you're a herder. And so uh, she did that. So that was huge. And that's kind of organizationally, but as a player that allowed me to be able to play, allowed me to be able to just, um, you know, let my the people I put in charge do what they need to do. And um, yeah, I'm just, it was nice to do that. So um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, um, as I'm replaying everything in my mind, Ashley was everywhere. Like she was, if she wasn't yeah. on the court, she was like running things or like I was, Again, I was just like, I, I looked at her as if she was a part of the staff and I had no idea. I was like, oh, I guess maybe he like, you know, worked out some kind of deal or he asked some people to, to volunteer and, and step up. And if that was Yeah, was she that- stepped up and it was amazing. I needed that and I didn't know I needed that. So that was a, that was a big thing. Um, and I ended up, you know, compensating her out of my own pocket after oh, the nice. tournament because I'm like, dude, I, you know, women's would have fell behind for sure had you not stepped up. Um, so that was huge. And, and she just, you know, took care of little things that um, needed to be taken care of. I mean, gosh, you know, talk about the selflessness of women, of Ashley, of her being able to, to push other women. Like even at the end of the tournament, she was sitting there uh, helping me with the balls, helping me get the air out of the balls, you know, like just little things like that, where it's just like, you're making my life so much easier. And I didn't, you know, I didn't think about all this stuff <laughs> until the end. Um, effect. So it was just really nice, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I saw a lot of people helping out, especially towards the end with, with totally. cleanup. Um, Lucas um, stayed till the very end, was, was just Lucas, helping out. And yeah, Vince was, Marchbanks, you know, I love those guys. Those guys uh, deserve huge shout outs. Vince and uh, yeah, Lucas, uh, Joe, of course. Um, we're just huge in helping out. Lizzie Hodaire stayed all the way till the end. She was just helping me pick up trash, stuff like stuff like that. Um, you know, they are the unsung heroes. Uh, really helped my life a lot easier. Even Mark Acom. Sad story about Mark. I I ended up breaking his finger. Oh man, on, the irony. on a nesting <laughs> on a nesting throw. Oh man, uh, at the beginning of basically at the beginning of round robin for no sting so only you know basically what is that one sixth of the way through the tournament yeah (laughs) broke his finger (laughs) he actually played the whole rest of the day uh still but he did not end up playing sunday because yeah that sucked he had to to wisen up and but he was there to help me out too uh definitely helped me out in the morning and stuff like that yeah that that's that's so ironic poor mark i mean i know he he started off this whole thing like oh i'm gonna burn that tournament down and you know it's all it's all friendly you know crap talking and then uh go figure poor guy finally gets a chance to to go ham and 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 just be out of the uh, the organizer mindset and he breaks his his finger but uh i i I talked to him about it and i wasn't like you know in like an antagonizing way but i was like hey man that sucks like you you finally get your moment and then you have a broken finger and he's like yeah well you know that's how it goes and he just like had the greatest attitude about it so yeah. Lots of, I think there's talk about potentially doing like the uh, Grand Canyon State games down here in Arizona. So maybe that could be where he gets his his fill. He can yeah. he can try to burn us down. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I also going back to the organization and how seamless it felt from my perspective. Um, I mean, awesome job, Joseph uh, Coelho, if you're listening, man. Like, and, and he uh, he showed me his software that he was using. 
the scheduler and um he just started talking about it and i i just busted out the recorder i was like this probably has no place in the actual event interviews but this is incredible so i incorporated that into the uh the previous episode and he was just showing me just the future of how dodgeball is going to be run um i I don't want to speak for anybody other than myself though but were you able to like look at that before the tournament have you had test runs before or did you know that that was in the works I feel like yeah, that was I, knew, huge. I knew he had software that he was going to be using uh, some tools that uh, just have been better tools, better uh, way of um, of just making it easier on the or- tournament organizer. And so, uh, yeah, I got to see that. It was really nice. I mean, basically, he's using an Excel file, but he's done all the work on putting in all the. Um, the different formulas and the different algorithms that need to, that just allow it to go seamless. And, uh, you know, so for example, you know, all he had to do basically on the bracket day was, uh, put in the scores from, you know, let's say we've got a double delineation bracket. So he's, you know, we're in the winner's bracket. We're just starting off, puts the scores in two, one, whatever. And, automatically without him even typing in anything or doing whatever, whoever got the one instead of the two, you know, or the zero, uh, got brought down to the loser's bracket. So he didn't, it was just like, it was seamless and it had it all set up. Um, you know, like a lot of times in the past where elite, if, even if you look back at old elite photos of the bracket, uh, it'll be like color coded and different stuff like that. Cause you had to do that because you didn't want to mess up putting a loser, where they shouldn't have gone, you know, um, just for seating purposes. So it was just really cool. He had that all set up. It was really great. Um, and it allowed him to, to just be way more efficient. One thing that he, that he mentioned that was really cool. And I I think even just listening to, to previous recaps was that this, this function that he allowed, that allows you to create the seeds and, and the bracketing, you can do it like on the, on the spot. So when you have 10, 12 people, you know, mobbing you waiting for you know the results or second guessing your calculating skills or, or whatever it is uh you don't have to worry about that anymore you just push a button and, and it's done yeah. um it's it's uh, it was it was really cool i got really excited for it and what i really really got excited for was it had like um like stats like it had um like win percentages it had like it was able to not predict but i could i could see like oh the last time you know, um, Team Boyle played against Team Fullerton. It was one, and this is the percentage of, of what it looked like. And it was just like, wow, I could maybe gamble <laughs> based on these. But it was just, it was neat. And it, it, I just feel like if you put that into the hands of um, one of the commentators, you, it would sound like an NFL type of game where, you know, last time the uh, the Giants played the Cowboys on this time at this date, you know, here's where the, st- or here's where the stats. Like, they always pull, like, these random, like, stats that – really don't mean much but they just kind of add to the uh the fun of the game i I think like that's what we're going to see with dodgeball if this platform keeps being used and and um i was like oh yeah it just felt like you had more tricks up your sleeve like you bust out with this format um actually showed up with the tournament last year bust out with this format and now we have this really cool application that that might be utilized now and it was just it was just neat um this made the entire thing just that much cooler so thanks um, whatever work you put into that Joe that was that was awesome and I look forward to, to seeing more of it um let's go back though speaking of like formats and whatnot like so I meant to ask this in the precap how were the players determined like like I know you talked about like months ago this was kind of set 
but like how did you choose like the pool of players was there a format yeah. or criteria or yeah so initially um i went off of the top 20 of each region that were ranked uh in the tribune rankings so for players uh, or captains for players, players okay. for players so the top 20 for players for the captains i just went basically when you when we got the top 20 in each region and then i finally went with the top 50 overall the, the top 50 overall is where i went with the captains i tried to get you know almost in order so to speak uh certain people didn't really want to didn't feel comfortable I mean, mike mcgee i think he was a i think he was ninth overall you know a year ago now he's probably top top two um but um he was ninth then and, you know, still only 19 years old, still just kind of picking up the game, still learning the game. I mean, he's, you know, very solid player, but uh, as far as a captain goes, maybe not the best choice or maybe just, uh, you know, doesn't know everyone. So um, didn't, you know, we didn't go with him, but, uh, or he actually turned me down. So, um, but yeah, I went through that order. So, you know, and, and the, you know, like I said, we'd gotten Pyan, uh, at that time, we had had Nate Kreider, uh, Tim Fullerton, Vince Marchbanks, you know, going down the list, and also choosing, you know, people from regions. So I had Eric Stone from the north, Kevin Bailey from the north. I had uh, Billy Schmidt, and at that time, I had uh, Matt Giovinco from the east, um, and then I was also getting Anthony Miller, and Von Kelly was kind of in the waiting to see if he would be a captain or not, which he ended up being so. I wanted all the regions represented and I wanted, uh, you know, just the top players. And then, um, we decided, I decided to go with a reverse order of that ranking. I felt like that made it fair, especially with Mike McGee, you, you know, at that time it was probably the number one player, uh, in the country, not a captain. Um, cause I'd catch him then. And, um, and I just felt, I was like, we could do it random, but that's not going to be, you know, fair if someone who is ranked 30 or 25, uh, doesn't get the first pick, you know, right. all of a sudden you got Justin Pine, the number one player getting, you know, another number one player first pick because it was randomized. So that was not fair. Um, you know, no, there's no hurting egos in that. It's just like, you know, it's, it's no shame to not be ranked ahead of Justin Pine. I mean, he's a, a, a phenomenal player. So, um, it just made sense to do a snake and, um, and to start in reverse order. So that's what, that's how we went. As for the players after the top 80, so the top 80, I gave them a while to decide uh, if they could do it. They had to also, you know, somewhere down the line, they had to actually give me money, um, you know, in addition, way in advance, stuff like that. And if they couldn't do it, then I was like, your spot's gone. And so part of the selling of my part on getting the, the captains was to sit there and be like, you get, you get a say as soon as my pool of these 80 players is gone. Same thing with the women. As, as soon as this pool is gone, then you get to decide who gets invited. And so that was, that was a big selling point for me and for them was, you know, I mean, if you're going to be drafting these players, like you want to sit there and be able to have a say in, you know, who, who gets invited and who doesn't. So um, that was, that was how they were picked. Uh, after after that top eighty, I had no say in it. It was really captains deciding, telling me we would we would spitball. I would throw out names, and they would reject it. Whatever you know. So that was kind of like I did get a little chance to put an input in, you know, and I could sit there and say I really think this person should be in, and I did do that a couple times. 
And sometimes I would get rejected and sometimes they'd be like, yeah, this person, all right, fine. All right. And then that's how we got our player pool. So that's awesome. That's actually really cool because that hopefully, because I, let me back up. Did, did people, did anybody that was snubbed go to you and be like, Hey man, why wasn't I invited to this? Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not saying you had to like name names. Okay. I just, I, I, I didn't want to assume, but I, I was pretty sure, but the people oh, that yeah. are, Oh yeah. There was people not happy about being invited, you know, right. not being invited. But, uh, there was people that were salty that didn't initially get invited and then did get invited and then turned it down because they were salty. Uh, yeah. You know, it was like, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> this is uh there's only 12 teams. There's only 72 spots. Like I, I made this tournament with, you know, only 72 spots. And yet I invited 80, you know, the top 80. So we, if every single person of the top 80 had said, yes, I would have been in trouble. I'd been like, Oh, <laughs> like I got to cut eight <laughs> people. Add a, you know, I'd have to add another, con- you know, another captain or figure something out. But I knew that not all, t- not all 80 would be able to make it. So. Well, for those of that, for those that feel slighted or, or snubbed, like at least maybe hearing you say that this was not just you, you know, on a, yeah. on a high horse saying you're in, you're out, you're not worthy. You're worthy. It was, it was yeah. other captains input as well. And, and I like that. It's kind of cool that you let that, let the people that were going to be essentially playing in the tournament yeah. determine. Who. And, that, and that's the important thing. I mean, really this tournament is put on, I mean, it's put on by me, but it does not happen without the captains. You have to have the captain buy-in and really to me, when you run a tournament like this, a draft tournament, like those 12 captains of guys and those eight women uh, that were captains, like not to, not to say no one else is not to say other people are less important, but they're my most important people. I have to make sure that they're happy first. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it trickles down. Well, it's like um, you said, it doesn't, it doesn't happen without them. So that makes yeah, total doesn't sense. Have captains, so. and, and especially because if it's an invite only, and it's a hundred dollars to play. You want to know that a captain, the captain that's choosing me, is a good player, is a solid player, is a top player in the country. And if they're not, then it's like, well, why would I really want to do this tournament then? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. If I'm not, if I don't get a chance to play with someone like Justin Pine or someone like Billy Schmidt or you know someone like even like Von Kelly, like then why would I want to do this tournament? I don't want to do this tournament. Don't invite me. <laughs> you know. But I did have these amazing players. Um, and so, you know, I got to feed off that. So, well, speaking of amazing players, let's go ahead and go into uh, you know my typical question of who stood out the most. And the coolest thing is, I have stats to kind of help us do that. So instead of yeah. drawing from memory and saying, "Oh yeah, that person did cool stuff," let's actually just take a look. Um, and we'll start with women's. So top throwers, um, not top surprised. Top throwers in foam, yeah. Ash- surprised. Ashley Cook, yeah, thirty-nine kills. Ashley Cook, yeah. Actually, real quick, before we get into this, uh, speaking of Unsung Heroes, whoever took stats, thank you so much, uh, just to give us this opportunity to look at this stuff and Yeah, and so feast I, on had, it. I had part of the deal, and this was the tough, tough thing, um, was every, especially for the men, it was really tough. But for the women, they had two courts, they had four teams playing, so they had four teams off. And I needed two teams, um, well, two teams were... Uh, put on each court uh, and they were to provide a ref refs and stat uh, statisticians basically um, and shaggers. So, you know, when they were off, especially for the guys, we had four teams off and then we had four courts. So every single court, there was one team too, and they had to provide two refs and two stats and shaggers. So there really was like 
very little resting. And I know that's something that was definitely difficult for the guys. You know, they just, some of them wanted to rest. Some of them didn't want to do the job. Um, at all. So that made it tough, you know. Um, but, at, you know, at the end of the day, people, for the most part, took good stats, uh, did all the stats for the most part, especially for Saturday. Saturday was definitely a, a way better um, focus on on getting the stats in and stepping up, you know. Uh, Sunday is a, another another story, kind of. Um, but for now, let's look at Saturday's stats. <laughs> yeah, and that's better. <laughs> they they uh the the people that I saw took it really seriously too. Like when a game was started, they were frantically looking for clipboards or who's going to take what, yeah. and immediately asking who got that hit, who got that hit, who got that catch, and so much. In fact, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but I think he plays on Tuda. He uh, he asked for my pen, and I like started to get not salty, but like like combated with him because I, I love my pen and I needed it. But then I realized all oh, this poor kid needs it for stats. I need to sacrifice it to the greater good. But that was, that was what I liked to see. I was like, Oh man, this kid like is seriously taking his job seriously. So I need to back off and let him do his job. But, um, now nah, it, it was great watching that, 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 uh, that hustle. But yeah, so going back into foam, um, Ashley cook 39 kills followed by, yeah. uh, Tanya Kaiser. Tanya Kaiser. I mean, Tanya, Ashley, I mean, I think that, I don't, I could be wrong. But I think they started with foam. I mean, they're both Minnesota natives. Uh, although Ashley's moved out here now, but um, yeah, Ashley's so confusing. She's like East Coast, but not really. She's actually truly North. But just kidding. <laughs> yeah. She moved to the West now. Yeah, but uh, I mean, they started on foam. That's not surprising at all. Tanya has a great arm. You know, Ashley has a great arm. So not surprising. Azalea was third with twenty eight. Um, this is just, you know, just round robin, uh, just for foam. So, um, and the other thing is you're going to see more kills in foam because it was timed. It wasn't best out of something, you know? So that's, that's very important to note um, because you're sitting there playing as many games as you can within a certain p- time period. Uh, whereas you no know, sting and uh, 8.5 you're playing best out of three. You know, the most kills you can get is, you know, 12 kills, you know, in a, in a two game set or six, you know, six kills, whatever. Um, and for the most part, we only, at least for the men, we only played eight matches in each division. Uh, for the women, we ended up doing a full round robin of foam and we ended up doing a fo- full round robin of no sting and then we cut into the all the rest got cut into the 8.5 because women don't like 8.5 as much. <laughs> um, there's some, but majority do not. And uh, that was one thing. I mean, again, you talk about a tournament where you're kind of, do- you're not doing it on the fly. You have an idea. You have actually a game plan. And the fact is when you have players, when this is their tournament as a tournament organizer, you sit there and say, yeah, you want to make a change. I can make that change. Let's do it right now. So, for example, we got to 12 o'clock um, for lunchtime. Uh, day one, you know, the women had not finished their round robin in foam and talked to a couple people, talked to Ashley and a couple other people, and it's like they really wanted to finish foam. And I was like, and they're like, and they even requested it. Can we, can we finish foam? And that way, you know, we can eat into a little bit 8.5. And I'm like, absolutely this is the tournament for you you know so that is so important as an organizer and because i've seen it in so many years i mean i I started playing in 2011 
uh, I've, I've seen it where it's like you have to care about the players and you have to take every advice, every request into consideration. And if you can do it right then and there, freaking do it right then and there. Don't wait. Don't sit there, oh, well, next tournament, you know, it's like, no, I have the power to do it right now. I, I'm so tired of tournament organizers being like, well, next time, you know, it's like, no, you have the power, do it right now. Make the players happy. And so I had the opportunity, I did. Anyways, sorry, that's me going on a rant. But. No, no, totally fine. And um, I, you kind of mentioned that in the, uh, in the recap back in February where, you know, you, you're running this independently of, um, this is not an elite, th- uh, not an elite deal, or you say dodgeball one, you, you can make those calls yourself on the fly as you see fit, and you can try out new things or, or things that aren't necessarily being followed or attempted in uh, previous events. And um, I mean, if that is the will of the people and you're able to, to allow that without sacrificing the quality of it, then then awesome. And that's, that's part of what makes being, I guess, independent um, really good. Uh, I remember one time, like you had some kind of rule set and Santi was like, oh, that's not the way NDO does it. And you're like, I'm not the NDO. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Um, but cool. I mean, and then I, I know some people were like, you know, they just wanted to just play on through without the, the break and whatnot. But um, let's go right to where you veered off. We kind of didn't talk about the catchers for foam. Um, so Lizzie H- Hoder, I don't know why I can't say that name. I keep wanting to say Hordor. I'm so sorry. Game of Thrones I, yeah. has ruined me. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Hold there. Hold the door. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I just got sad. Now I'm not doing this podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Hey, Game of Thrones just released that they're the season's gonna start in April. How exciting is that? Uh, I believe when <laughs> this is March 31st. Oh um, man, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so speaking of Lizzie, I, I've been seeing her name pop up a lot, and um, I honestly, I, I wouldn't be sure like what she's known for other than being from the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, I mean leading, she played. She played with, uh, for men, you know, for co-ed, she played with Fortune and mm. uh, great, you know, 8.5. I mean, she's, I think that's where she, her bread and butter is, is 8.5. She loves 8.5. So she's a huge 8.5 lover, but uh, she played with Witness, Witness for Women and, uh, you know, just a solid player, just continually getting notori- notoriety um, and, uh and yeah. tied for top in, in catches tied right next to... Tied uh, catches with six with Katie Sanchez. I mean, Katie Sanchez is definitely not known for catching anything, so that's an anomaly <laughs> right there. But uh, Kathy Martinez, that's that's awesome. Yeah, um, Kathy Martinez from the South, you know, one of the top top women players in the South. And this is foam. Like, foam's not the easiest thing in the world to catch. Yeah. So I'm told. Um, yeah. Lana Meeks... Yeah, so it's like you got three tied for six, and then um, Beverly Rios. Yeah. Are you thinking no, Bev, no, I Bev think Rivas? A, I think, yeah, Rivas. Yeah, uh-huh. just making up people. Whoops. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. There's, there's some typos here that are. Uh, I'll get to one later. But um, yeah, the rest are all, I don't want to say tied for last. It sounds bad, but there's like one, two, three, four, five, oh, you six know tied for, M- for third. Oh, uh, you know, that's what. All right, okay. Sorry. Who's that, MJ uh, Rios? I just changed it. <laughs> oh, you're just in there. You like that? Oh, Google Docs, yeah. It was, it there was, you go. It was MJ always, Rios. It was yeah, obviously. Bed free bus. Yep. Um, but I was going to say, like, so, you know, being tied with Brianna London, Karina, um, Elena Meeks, like, that's that's not bad. And then I'm, I'm 
kind of surprised to see Angelique tied for third. I was expecting to be top top catcher and everything. So yeah, I mean, and that's you know you you do have to think about how the teams were formed, and that that's the biggest thing. And and we'll probably go into things that'll change or things that are just tough. And you know, you get when you you invite, you know, for the women is 48 women uh, that are some of the top, you know, majority of them top players in the country. Um, but definitely, you know, top 50, arguably in the best in the country. And you sit there and you put them all on the team, you know, or six and six, get eight teams of six. You're going to have players that are not normally in their positions, you know? So for example, maybe someone like, you know, Alik Grosbe, Angelique Grosbe, instead of her, you know, where she gets to kind of, play their, I don't know, number maybe the number two position or the number five position without a ball because Joanna on the left has the ball corner, Relina on the right has a corner, and then uh, Katie Sanchez has the ball in the middle. You know, that leaves Angelique without a ball. So she's prime target to, to be a huge catcher, you know. And so you're like, well, I'm not, you know, either, either one, I'm not going to throw at her, or two, I'm going to throw at her and get caught because she doesn't have a ball to stop it, you know. Yep. So you get you start to see different things like that. I mean, I still think you see the overall best players come out and the best players perform regardless of what positions they're put in or stuff like that. But when you start taking away balls or you know from people who normally have a ball, or you start putting balls in in uh, people's hands who normally don't have it, you're going to see a little bit different of um, stats and stuff like that. And that kind of at least was the case for foam. Uh, but foam, you know, again. Foam is a really hard ball to catch. You sit there and you put a lot of um, different spins, stuff like that. I know, you know, down the board, you know, you look at all the top catchers in the country, you know, a lot of them were here and you look at their foam numbers as far as catching goes compared to no sting and 8.5 and it's drastically lower than everything else. I mean, look at, so leak only had three catches in foam, but then you go over and look at no sting and she's the top catcher with eight catches and the next person only has five. So it's just like, duh, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. she's there, but, and she's a great catcher, but those foam balls are, and you can just put some weird spin, weird move. And it just adds a whole new dimension to that ball, which it makes it really fun. That's why I love foam, but especially if you're a thrower. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I feel like it, it makes you dodge more or at least it should. Uh, just because he, yeah, yeah, catching's not always going to be there. I mean, look, yeah, you look at Team Malaysia. I mean, why have they won gold the last two years in a row? Because they can move. They are the best Dodgers in all of dodgeball, and they prove it year. You know, they've now put it, proved it two years in a row that they don't need to catch a ball to beat you. You know, yeah. Now David Tate's dissected that pretty well in one of his. Uh, recaps yeah when his recaps he's saying you know overwhelming firepower from the u.s wasn't enough when i mean it doesn't do you any good if you can't hit the the dang targets so that, that says a lot yep. about going back to the actual roots of dodgeball and that's that's dodging so i guess foam yep. is good for that um on top throw is there for no sting uh lauren hoffman no 22. surprise there really no surprise that yeah she's been one of the best no sting throwers kiki Cardona again no surprise there um Kiki had 20, Lauren had 22. Um, yeah, both of those girls, solid arms, some of the best arms in the country, and very good at no-sting. And then you got and Casey then, Reed from... Casey Reed, East. Casey Reed, uh, huge. She was from Love Tap, but she played for Emily Hotz's team, T-18. 
Team Hots. She had 18 kills. She was killing it. She's a, a big up-and-comer. She's been up-and-coming for a while now. Um, she, again, she's part of the – I've highlighted her multiple times in articles uh, where she's just been a huge uh, player for Love Tap, and, and she'll be for for whatever team she's on next. So Yeah, duh, Casey Reed. I, I don't know why I confused her with somebody else on the East Coast, so I take that back. Yeah, no, she's a West Coast girl. Yeah. Becca Slivka, uh, Slivka? I'm Slivka. Slivka. Well, I, I apparently we already butchered like twenty names in the precast. So <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, I guess we're on our way. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, sorry, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's really cool seeing her. I mean, I'm, I've known about her since like 2010. You know, when she played with uh, Rock and Rollas in Tucson, she's like yeah. uh, built like Jackie, almost as ferocious as Jackie, if not a little Very bit more. Ferocious. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. just cool seeing. You know, I. I don't say an older player, but you know, an older player still, yeah. still out and the, there. The cool thing about Becca was, you know, this tournament is a perfect example of someone who, you know, she had in the foam, she had twenty three catch, twenty three kills, which was, what is that, sixth, sixth best, yep. tied for sixth best. And this one, she had seventeen kills, which is tied for fourth best, and no sting for you know in round robin, and someone like her gets kind of uh, forgotten about on a team like Invasion, which is what she plays on. And because Invasion has so many throwers, you know, the Relina Thomason, Katie Sanchez, Kate Gong, Joanna Munoz, you know, so, you know, she kind of gets forgotten about and then you put her in a tournament like this and all of a sudden, boom, she's like, no, I'm here. I just, I take a backseat to some players who might have a better throw or, or just a harder throw, but I can still, I I'm can still, still sling it just like the rest of them, you know. So, yep. yeah, perfect that, example. That's what I was getting at. Um, and then Rachel Rodia, speaking of uh, slingers, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen kills. I wonder what the circumstances are that because she can freaking throw. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah. Again, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but uh, Karina Amesqua, is that how you say your last name? Yeah, Amesqua. You know, on her, I think her. Um, Facebook tag is Arias. But. That's why I always get tripped up. But yeah, she, I mean, 14 kills. Like, again, I don't want to take away from Kiki or Lauren, but I would have expected them to be a little bit higher just because of how hard they throw and watching them throw. And I wonder if it's kind of what you said earlier, like they're not necessarily in their element. They're playing potentially a different yeah. position, you different rhythm. You can see rhythm. that so, some players just, um, I don't know, you know, just either decide to take a step back. I mean, I know I saw it in the men's where you saw some players who are normally big time throwers get to throw a lot. And then for whatever reasons, they either decided to take a step back or were kind of told to take a step back or just let other people play. And for whatever reasons, you know, their numbers were lower, um, you know, so I don't know what to s say about it other than there's got to be possibly some reason to it. So yeah, different dynamics altogether. Um, now going to the division that matters, 8.5. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Paget at 12, tied with Rebecca. Not surprised yeah, so, uh, to see Rebecca there. Something to add here too is you'll notice the numbers are really low. Now the reason why the numbers are low on this one was because what did I say about foam and no sting? Was we finished the entire round robin for both foam and no sting. Right. which made us have a lot less time for 8.5 for the women. And what I had them do was they ended up playing only, they ended up playing every team. So there's, you know, seven matches. I think they ended up playing a couple more after that, but uh, they only did best of one. 
And so they only got to, they played every single seven te- they played all seven teams every you know other seven teams, but they only played them in one game. So that's why their their um, numbers are a little low. So. Uh, did you take any flack for that? Um, you know, for the most part, no. At least those that were not happy about it bit their tongue, so that was good. Um, but I think you know the overall when I announced it. Uh, at lunch, I was like, let me just let you know the plan to all the girl, all the women that were in the stage area. I was like, let me just tell you the plan. Like the plan is we're going to finish foam round Robin. We're going to eat into, you know, you know, we're going to finish no sting round Robin. And then, you know, we'll eat into whatever and we'll play however much we can up until 6 PM for 8.5. And I got a ton of claps, you know, like the women were happy. And I was like, yeah, it'd be, you know, I got, it was requested. So if it's requested and I made it go through, yeah, you know, I know there's going to be some girls that weren't, you know, there's definitely some people that were not happy. I mean, I'm sure Tiffany Paget, Rebecca Chappell, who led those, those girls are 8.5 girls. They love 8.5. Um, so I'm sure they weren't too happy about that, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, majority of the women were happy. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's what matters is going with the majority. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if if you're looking at time constraints and trying to jam pack three divisions, um, it, it does suck, especially if you've come from places like the north and then northwest yeah. to come play rubber. Um, I can definitely see why you'd be upset, and I, I definitely agree with them. But at the same time, um, you, you got to keep, as you said, the majority happy as best you can. Yeah. So, and you still, and you still, you know. I mean, we still got to play every single team, so that was the nice thing. Uh, you got to see every team in 8.5, even though it was only one game itself. Um, you know, so you, you make concessions where you can, and, and it, you know, hopefully it gets received as best as it can get received. So Definitely. Um, let's see who else Top catcher there, Crystal Briones. Eight catches. The best. Stud. Kirsten Bell, not... Sorry, Kristen, not, not always known for catching rubber, but that's awesome seeing yeah. that that's changing. Yeah, Nina Fiora, she was top catcher in both uh, 8.5 and Foam, I think. So, Katie Sanchez. Always a solid catcher. Katie Sanchez only had three. Hmm. To, yeah, I mean, again, like, yeah, Katie Sanchez, low, a lower catch number. I mean, not what you're used to. Not what you're used to, but you know, sometimes you just if she has a ball in her hand, you know, it's not good. she's not going to catch as much, she's not going to get thrown out as much. Well, she's hitting so. people with that ball at least. So, yeah, um, kind of same. I have same same comments with Nina Fiore as I do with um, with Becca. It's awesome seeing, especially because I got to talk to her a little bit um, at Bell's and again uh, during the, the in event interviews. I think of a better name for that. But, you know, she's coming off of an injury, so it's, it's good to see that she's not only on a path to recovery, but she's also relevant and, and still um, racking up points and, and just, just kicking butt. So, um, Samantha Girardi, who's that? That was one of the yeah, ones, Samantha. one of the typos I wanted to oh. give you a hard time about. Darn it, you just pulled up my my bad... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, man. Miss spells. I was doing this, I had to do this at the end of the night. Uh, Saturday night. I was up till midnight. <laughs> oh man! I had, to t- I had so I had sheets of all the stats, and then I just put them in and did the best I could. And 
Yeah, to hand jam all these names and numbers, that's... Lost sleep. (laughs) Samantha Girardi, yeah. She's a solid girl, East Coast player, plays with, at least last year, played with Precision. I don't... I I assume she's still with Precision, but she might not be, but... I'm I'm pretty sure she is. I'm like 98% sure, just because I always... Yeah, solid solid girl. That's that's one thing that's really cool, and I'm sure we'll we'll probably cover it too when we get into men's, is just I, I, I got to see what other regions brought to the to the game what they bring to the table and it's really awesome seeing that because the only other time i've ever done so is at nationals if i played against them or if i happen to to be refing or, or catching a game you know when i'm not playing so being able to like watch all these names that i've heard about over the past year actually play has been really exciting so um yeah. thank you for that i feel like you just offered that to me so i appreciate it um Let's go into men's. So back to men's. So men's um, foam. Dylan Clark Odin with thirty-seven kills. I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Two-time USA foam player. Uh, You know. Wonder why. Ridiculous. Uh, Mm. You know he ended up, as we'll see, or maybe uh, should I let the cat out of the bag or not yet? Mm, No, I kind of talked about that and. Cool. Yeah. So not, yeah. Not yet. I mean, just killed killed it in foam. Then you had Mike McGee, thirty-two. Justin Pine, thirty-two. I mean, Team USA, right there. Well, look, look at this. Uh, so like, so like, Mike McGee is you know five difference from Dylan, but then one away from Pine, who's one away from Matt Levine. Like, Matt Levine. I mean, that that's the big one because you know ne- you don't get to see Matt Levine. You've never seen him play foam. You've I've never seen him play. Seen him period. Play I, I've yeah, heard a lot of good well, things about he, him. He was a big reason why Space Cadets finished fourth in open for nationals this year. He was on that team. I think uh, Space Cadets is the reason why Space Cadets finished fourth. They had some magic, but I, I heard a lot about Matt Levine. But yeah, Matt Levine pulled his weight for sure. Yeah. he. Um, and, uh, he's just a really solid player, and I didn't know he could play foam, and he has a phenomenal arm, he's very accurate, knows what he's doing with foam. It looks like he, he looks like a natural with foam, so he might be a former future Team USA player. Former future. Seriously. Sorry, future. not former. Yeah, <laughs> future. Like you've, you've, you've seen the future, and you're already giving us some uh, some prophecies <laughs> there. Right. No, I, I, yeah. I would be hard pressed. Like within the next five years, if he's not on Team USA, he, it's probably because he stopped playing or stopped carrying. Yeah, like I was on fire and just throwing freaking heat, whether it was foam or no sting. Um, yeah, that guy's he's kind of scary. But um, yeah, I was just saying, like Dylan had a, a commanding five point uh, differential. Is that what you call it? Um, kill yeah between second best so he, he really made a statement there even though he hates foam like I, I don't even know why he still plays he always badmouths it but uh, who else caught me by surprise um, I got to see John Harper play and, and that's somebody that I've known about for a while uh, from Outlaws um, I got to play with him in No Sting for Nationals in New Orleans but I didn't really get to see much else um yeah, but I don't, I don't super know. super accurate. Yeah, and I, I think the reason why he, why he stood out is because he was when I when I thought of like the South, you know, I thought about Anthony Miller, and then this uh, Jonathan Harper guy, and, and it was just like like two or three players that really stood up before I got to know the outsiders, and so he's always been one of those guys in the back of my mind that I've, I've, that I've wanted to see uh, play, and so I, I got an opportunity to do so, and that guy is pretty dang good. Um, it's cool seeing David O'Brien play, um, only because I've I've only seen him play, you know, eight point five with me on, on grit. Um, 
What about you? Any, any comments on top throws for foam? Yeah, uh, Lucas Boyle uh, had 23 kills from foam. He was the coach for Team USA. And, uh, you know, you also saw him in, um, if you saw Sunday, he was just lighting people up with foam ball, with the no sting ball, just really showing off his versatility. I mean, you always think of Lucas as a 8.5 player, but, man, he showed that he can play every ball style. He's an amazing player, amazing athlete. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, a, just an amazing guy all around. He's one of those guys that's just yeah. just a great dude. Um, top catches for foam, Justin Pyan, Ryan Haley. Um, Ryan Haley, yeah, I mean, Ryan Haley, you know, he's very versatile. Uh, you know, one could argue he's the best catcher in dodgeball right now as far as um, wow, uh, just the amount that he's he's getting on a daily basis. So, Yeah, not to and take away from Pyan, but, I mean, what else is new Pyan? Yeah. <laughs> no offense, man. Yeah. Um, Brian, Brian Himmel, who's that? Heimel? He's from Corruption. Uh, he's a no- North Region player in Corruption. Okay. Yeah, and he showed off. He, he, he can uh, he can catch these balls. Kind of a big guy and got some has big hands. So yeah, he was making some good catches. So. Um. Jim McMaster's man. Jim. I know we're not well, looking at finals but I, I in case i <laughs> i don't get a chance so this has happened twice now where we'll be talking in passing and he's complained to me about how he's not got a single catch yet and i just be like well it'll 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 come in don't worry about it and you know this first time was the nationals and he ended up catching like a fiend and so when it happened again um last this past weekend same thing like he he's like hey steve you know, I haven't, haven't had a single catch yet man and i was like ah oh, don't worry this is just like last time you're going to vent to me, and then after this, you're going to catch, you know, a couple. Uh, yeah. No, he caught, like, everything, and he had some incredibly crucial catches that, that turned the the tie for his team. So um, it's good to see that he wasn't really that bad in, in round robin because I, I, from what I saw, the catching didn't really start to happen until, until finals. So it's crazy yeah. seeing, him, seeing him do that, especially the foam. Like, it's just it's not – those just are yeah. not easy well, to catch. hard to catch. Um. Mike Hashimoto, I'm glad that, you know, they're still relevant as well. It's fun watching him play, finally. Um, same thing with Eli, even though Eli wasn't, I don't think he was on here. But um, saw a couple of cool plays from Eric Jones. Uh, he had, like, this one match where he, like, caught a ball and then almost in, like, the same motion threw, got the other guy out and just closed the game out in, like, two seconds. It was, it was pretty awesome. And I asked him, like, hey, was that, like, your whole day? He's like, no, I don't know where that came from. But, I mean, the stats are there. He's He obviously did really well. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? No sting. Top throwers, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, it's my it's my game. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, I'll say. I, I love no sting. Uh, yeah, there's no secret. I love it. Um, and, you know, playing with Fuller, uh, Tim Fullerton the last two years, you know, he knows that it's my top game, uh, knows how to utilize me very well, knows how to protect me very well. So it really allows me to just kind of go up and sling it. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I'm really accurate. can throw hard, put a nasty little curve on it. Um, so, yeah. It, to me, I'm just like, yeah, this is where I should be. <laughs> but uh, it also helps to be on that a type of team. You know, same thing with Dylan. You look at Dylan. Dylan's tied with me for 28. And Dylan, you know, had 37 kills in foam. 
part of that has to do with who are you playing with, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Dylan's in there playing on Vince Marchbanks. He's got Vince on the right corner. It's just, you know, I got Tim on the right corner, you know? So it's just when you're playing with solid corners who protect you, uh, who give you that freedom to kind of, you know, put the fear in the other team saying, Hey, if you're going to counter me, guess what? You're going to get countered and you're going to get out. And it's, it's a big risk. Yeah. You have, you have like Tim or, or, Potentially Tim Allen or, or yeah, yeah, Vance running you down. Anyone. You don't you don't want that. Mike McGee, you know, same thing. So yeah, when you have the, someone like that, it just gives you so much freedom to just go and and hit people. And uh, as you can see, me and me and Dylan uh, were the top throwers in no sting at twenty eight. So really cool seeing uh, Keem win. Keem win from yeah. uh, outsiders got to again. Uh, I talked to the whole team for like two hours on one of the episodes. And, <laughs> It's just cool seeing them actually in person. Um, same thing with Von Kelly, like just watching them actually maneuver and, and then dominate was, was especially cool. And then another shout out to, to David for uh, 24 kills. So, yeah, I mean, he's a solid arm, very solid arm lefty, you know, I think for him uh, definitely benefited just not being as familiar, you know, um, playing played with a lot of people outside of the West region. They don't know him and, you know, us West Coast people for the most part know him and know he's got a filthy throw. And most of the time, it's like a, it's just like a lefty no look. You, you don't even expect it's, it. It's really it weird. right at you. Pretty accurate, really hard. And yeah, so not surprising. Well, hopefully he can stay in the shadows a little bit longer. But if he's out, yeah. then, well, there you go. He's, he's hard to, he's one that you don't want to take your eyes off of. Uh, Kyle Sander. So, um, Matt Levine, right? Is it? Yep. And then Kyle Sand. Those were the two that I was really excited to watch as well. And um, yeah, just yeah, did top not throwers, no sting. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, you won't see Kyle Sand on the foam. He's still learning foam. Uh, he admits it himself. He he's got a lot to learn in that ball type. But you know, he's definitely a top thrower, no sting. Uh, he's getting to be a top thrower in eight point five, and then he's going to be working on his phone game so yeah and then coming off the trampolines to do this that's incredible yeah yeah solid player um let's see who else Actually, and really kyle sanders someone nobody heard about before udc yeah. um i actually i was trying to do i did a article power ranking type thing for all the udc teams and i talked to demonte cleveland who was the captain of metahumans and I was like, dude, give me a name besides yourself, because I don't know anyone on MetaHumans who's a Ohio team. I was like, give me a name who someone to look out for. And he's like, dude, Kyle Sander. And that was the first time. And so I got to mention him in my article. And then he did not disappoint. He was, you know, pretty much the talk of the town, so to speak. Him and Tyrell Hayes uh, really put on a show at UDC. And then we got to see Kyle Sander at uh, Nationals and just – again put on another show for goat i think you ended up leading you know they had kind of mixed uh results for the stats but of the stats that were taken kyle sander was the top thrower in in no sting and it's no surprise he's got a filthy arm he's extremely young and uh extremely talented so probably be hearing a lot more from him i'm sure oh yeah I uh, wanted to kind of scroll down towards the bottom, even though 20 kills is still pretty dang impressive with uh, Chris Willer and Sean Willer. Dumb question, but are they brothers? Oh, yeah. They're okay. brothers. Just want to make sure. They're both uh, Brick Squad, well, former Brick Squad players. So, nice. yeah. 
that's kind of cool. Get that sibling rivalry going on, maybe. And then yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Going to catchers, uh, Ryan Haley, nine catches. Ryan top. Yeah, you'll see him at the top for for the most part. Um, you don't really see him in the eight point five, and that's kind of interesting that I don't see that. But that's because uh, you know, especially eight point five, you, you know, he's just known for almost double catches and all that type of stuff. But solid, solid catcher. Definitely. So going into eight point five, top throwers Tim Fullerton. Yeah, I mean, yep, we got the fourth. We got the fourth seed for eight point five. Um, that was the first division of the day, and that was you know kind of where we just all, you know, started to get into a groove. Some of us hadn't played since nationals on our team. I think that was the case with a lot of players. So um, yeah, that's where you see Tim just really take on the. Um, take on the role like well and when you guys get warm then you can throw a little bit more so to speak and yep. you know tim took it to people and so it was good well so did uh so did vince march banks and brody johnson i mean they all tied with 26 so that's no surprise and yeah. then pine off by one with 25 and then um sean wheeler at 24 von kelly uh dylan fetting i didn't get a chance to watch him too much unfortunately i'd wanted to it was it was overload, man. It was it was really hard going back and forth because um, I would I'd go interview some people and I'd just get stuck where I was at watching. Um, and that, I mean that's that's expected. One guy can't watch every single thing that happens, but there's a lot of uh, I'll say eye candy because it's not the right context. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff to watch, a lot of good people to watch. So I was definitely not left wanting for uh, for excitement. But um, Tad Delugo. <laughs> Look at that, 19. So I guess uh, maybe talking crap about him, whether it's intentional or not, really fuels that guy. So <laughs> we'll have to like reverse hype him up um, as we get closer to lead season next year. Um, yeah. Top catchers, Jim McMasters. Okay, I guess maybe he, I don't know what his off day of catching might seem like, but it seems like he had no problem on, on Saturday. Yeah. And then, you uh, look at that. So, like Ryan Haley played on Team Giovinco. You've got Ryan Heimel who played on Giovinco. He had seven. Then you have Jeff Giovinco, uh, who had six. And then you have Brody Johnson, who played on Giovinco, and he had five. So you had like so many ridiculous catchers on Team Giovinco. Um, ridiculous. Off the bat, um, and like the first game I finally got to go to, I watched Brett Cobble catch like two or three balls almost. In succession, oh, yeah. he got uh, he got us good. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he's cobbling you guys up. I'm gonna just keep pushing yes, that until it becomes a thing. But um, has he? Is that new? Sorry, Brett. Um, is I, that new? Him catching? Yeah. No. no, no, that's not new at all. No, he's been he catches so many things, especially if you chest him, <laughs> which I did. Just a no go area. Oh, okay, I saw at you. Least, I think maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but at least he showed me the red mark after. I was like, "Good, like, <laughs> <laughs> could it hurt?" <laughs> yeah, he uh, he looked he looked really yeah, he's good. He's a great catcher. He's been catching for years. So yeah, yeah he looked really good. Um, and then right behind him, Brandon Cook, who actually, no offense, Brandon, but I, I was expecting to see him leading some of these throws because Jesus, that guy throws hard. Yeah, I think it was the case of just. Um, he was playing on Team Morris. I think it was a case of just, you know, one, filling things out, but two, there's 
you know, plenty of guys. He was playing with Xander Simos, who, who got a lot of throws. Um, who else? Dylan Fedig, I think, was on that team. Was he? No. Yeah, he was. Okay, good. Um, so, you know, just playing with a lot of players who get to throw more. Uh, they definitely, as we saw on Sunday, uh, utilized him way more, utilized his arm way more. Gotcha. That's the reason why they ended up going all the way to the championship. So Okay, that's I was gonna say, like I thought you know, I would have expected more kills on, on him, but again we're looking at round robin, so yeah. uh who is Kelvin Coster? Kelvin Coster, he plays for uh Kraken in the north. Okay. And uh yeah, he's just a really solid player, very versatile. He's good with all three balls. Um so yeah, he was playing with Spacer, team Spacer and Gotcha. Yeah. He got. He's a very versatile player. Catches. Very cool. Yeah. So I mean, we could probably spend at least another full episode just going over these stats alone. But I kind of just wanted to go back to the overall um, scope for for Sunday, and that's just kind of starting with the um, with the overall uh, men's winner, and that was Team Marchbanks. So they they took foam. But what, what what determined the overall tournament win? So I didn't round robin meant nothing uh, other than just seeding, and so basically based off of how teams did during elimination, that's what decided it. Um, oh, I see. So, for example, you know, Team March Banks, who was the overall tournament winner for the men, uh, in you know they won the foam division. Um, but in the 8.5 division, they finished third. And in the no sting division, they finished third. So they finished third, third, and then they finished uh, first in the foam. And that was the big uh, kicker. Because gotcha. my team, Team Fullerton, we ended up winning the 8.5 division. Uh, we ended up getting fourth in no sting but then we just kind of sucked, you know, SHIT the bed. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> for um, foam. And the other per- the other top team was Boyle, Team Boyle. They finished fourth in 8.5, but they won no sting. And then they finished, um, I think they finished tied for, where did they finish? Tied for... I don't know. Tied for was it fifth? Because we didn't finish out places, but they yeah, they had an unlucky draw with March Banks, so they finished tied for fifth. Gotcha. In uh, foam, so that was the difference. Okay. So yeah, the top team was March Banks, then Boyle, and then Fullerton. Gotcha. And someone who predicted that, who was that who predicted that? It was someone on Facebook. Oh, I think it was Tony Stumpo. Or no, it was Tony Sanchez. That predicted the, the three That predicted finishes? the top the top three teams. He didn't he didn't say in he didn't say what order. He but he's like the top them. three teams will be Fullerton, March Banks, and Boyle. Oh crazy. What does he win? And the, he wins his name being on this podcast. What a prize. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. Um, I forgot who I picked to win. I think I said Fullerton for 8.5 for sure. And then you're like, don't put that on me. He's like, well, I did. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, I there. mean, it, it, 
I didn't want to put that on me. You know, there were some really good uh, 8.5 teams. You know, you had uh, the team that we faced in the championship, which was Morse, which had Brandon Cook, Dylan Fedek, Xander Simos, uh, Simos. You know, that was a very solid team. But you had, uh, you know, some other teams. Giovinco looked like a very solid 8.5 team. Marchbanks was a very solid 8.5 team, and they got third. Um, Boyle was a really solid 8.5 team. I think they got fourth. But, um, yeah, they got they got fourth. But, uh, you know, it really helped having the chemistry. I mean, me, Alan, and Tim have played Rise the last two years. Just nothing new there. Eric Jones has played Rise before. Maddox fit in perfectly. DeMonte fit in really well. Um, but, I mean, we were able to call plays. You know, <laughs> we were... You know, there was uh, specifically in the championship game, it was a three on two with me and Alan, uh, and I think uh, Maddox on the right corner. And I sat there and, and I called, you know, a rise play. And the next thing, you know, as soon as Xander threw, we both threw at Xander and got him out. And um, you know, we just, that was, that was it. That was our championship win right there. So nice. Um, so yeah, the chemistry really helped. Um, especially in a ball style that is, you know, Rise's best ball style. So this might be a little, a little sensitive, sensitive of me to ask, but did it feel kind of bittersweet to to win a medal with them one last time? Even though it wasn't like the full team, but did that have any like sediment to you at all? It was a nice send off. Yeah, <laughs> you know, send off is uh, kind of what I was looking for. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward next year to to challenging them. I mean, I know their ball style is 8.5. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to challenging them. But um, it was cool. It was actually nice. I mean, I love playing with Tim. I, I think Tim is arguably the best captain in all of dodgeball. I mean, there's no there's no denying it. I mean, you look at this tournament as a perfect example. You have 12 captains, and they draft these guys, some of them who they've never played with, and they have no idea what they're actually getting you know, for the most part, and you just kind of have to wing it. You know, I think the reason why Team Fullerton, Team Marchbanks, Team Boyle were at the top is because those three captains, Vince, Tim, and Lucas, are just some of the best captains in all of dodgeball, period. They know how to create a team, they know how to organize a team, and they know how to lead a team. Um, And some of the other guys, no offense to them, but they're not there yet or they don't know how to yet or um, or sometimes you just don't know what you're getting in a player that you draft or that you're playing with and so nothing no offense to them but again I don't think they would argue either in saying that Tim Fullerton Vince Marchbanks and Lucas Boyle are three of the best captains in all of dodgeball and yeah, it's for just sure. plain and simple no-brainer you know well, they've all been proven to. I mean, Fullerton's been yeah. around since 2005. Marchbanks, uh, yeah. for a while as well. I think what 2008, maybe. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he's, he was the te- <clears throat> co-captain of Team USA. Lucas was the the uh, manager, you know, the coach of Team USA. So, yeah, well, plus no he was he was doing his own thing in, in Seattle for the longest time too. So, I mean, for. Yeah it's enough to just be a regular captain of your of your you know five or six regular guys that you see all the time but to be able to develop or hone the skill of taking brand new people you've never played with and and work with that that's like a whole new element of 
cross-classing maybe or, or just new uh, new fields to open up in terms yep. of experience. So, yeah, no, it's that's a good point you made. Um, these are very, surely the three best captains out there, I feel. And um, kind of want to go back and just tease the comment that you made about um, giving Rise uh, a hard time next year. I heard some some rumors about your lineup, and I think you will be. So I'll just... I just had to get that who's, out. Whose lineup? Heat's, Heat's lineup? Yep. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're. That'll be fun. We're stocked and loaded. We're going to put up a fight. Next, we'll see. As soon as that teams are announced, it's going to cause. I don't know if it's going to cause drama, but it's going to be fun seeing how the, the scope is going to change next year from what I've been hearing. Yeah, yeah it's going to be exciting. Got little birds everywhere. Um, let's go into yeah. women's. Women's. Then. So, overall. Yeah, and speaking, speaking of good captains, you know, I. You know. You think about Invasion. Invasion has won, gosh, three out of the last five national championships in Elite. And I don't know if you don't... I mean, I don't... I mean, Rolina is an amazing player, but I I guess, you know, whether... For whatever reasons, you don't really think of her as, like, this amazing captain, amazing coach, but she is. She's a great leader. She knows how to organize. She knows how to to lead a team. She leads by example, being a solid top player. And it's no surprise that her team is the top team in uh, the women's division. They got, let's see, they got second in foam. They got third in 8.5, but they got first in no sting. And they were just amazing. You know, it's awesome. Played really great all day. You know, she, and that was another team similar to team Fullerton where you had, um, you know, three players who played on Invasion, and that was her, Relina, Katie Sanchez, and who was the... Darn it, who was the third? Maybe it was only two of them. Darn it. I'm drawing a blank, too. Sorry. I have no help. Um, I didn't know she was the captain of Invasion. Is she? she? She pretty much is. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I don't, actually, you know what? I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure she is. I'm backing out of that one until I can confirm. But I might be. Yeah, whatever. I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong a lot. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it would be the first time. Just kidding. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but you also had another amazing captain in Erica Schmidt on that team, too. So you had a lot of leaders on that team. Emmy Zappa was a great player. Uh, you just had, you know, top to bottom, that was a really solid team. Yeah, it definitely looked like it in their, their lineup and and what they brought to the to the court and then yeah, yeah and you team, had team kramer taking 8.5 team kramer 8.5 i mean brenda is you know amazing player she's and then she picked up tiffany paget who's been just phenomenal uh a west all-star snub she should have been an all-star just an amazing player you had tanya kaiser who probably could have been an, an all-star for sure um, that team was really solid. Let's see who else they had. Kirsten Bell. Um, yeah, I think Bev Rivas, Avery Snow. I think I, I think I have to go back and listen. I'm so bad at memory. I think I called that was yeah, that Kramer. was the team that we were both saying that was probably gonna yeah. win it. They actually missed out on the uh, the overall tournament winner. I think by three total points. Mm. Let's see here. They got an eight point five. They got first in no sting. They got 
tied for fifth, so that wasn't that great. So that's but probably then what in, hurt them, maybe. And then in foam, they got tied for third. Gotcha. So, so yeah, probably if they had finished maybe one more, a couple more, they would have needed a couple more for no sting. But I thought they would actually do better in no sting. But they got matched up with Kaudana. That was where it was. They lost to Kaudana, Kiki's team. They and, lost to uh, Kaudana. That sounds like a an evil villain. <laughs> That's kind of cool sounding. <laughs> yeah, Kiki's team had a really solid uh, no sting team. So yeah, that was. I think that was like one of my favorites. Is like even though we kind of had our little picks, um, I felt like it could have been any team, any team's division, at any time. And then just watching these battles that were taking place uh it was i don't feel again from my limited perspective i don't feel like there was any teams that were completely one-sided i feel like it was a pretty even spread there may have been a couple that were you know maybe not doing the best that they could have done but every match i saw was was a battle and i i loved every minute of it but um let's move back to just overall um just so we can kind of start wrapping this up would you say this went well overall? Yeah, yeah, I think it went well. I had a lot of issues come up literally right before. I had on Friday, on Thursday night, Friday morning, really late, had uh, one person miss their flight from Paris. <laughs> so okay. that I could think of one person that, that might be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only one person that might be. <laughs> kind and of a big deal. Uh, she ended up not playing, but some issues came up there had to be an executive decision that I had made with, with the, you know, the captain's voice in their displeasure and something. So I know that there was, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be, you know, I don't know. Hold on. Can you hear me still? Yep. Oh, um, yeah, it was just, it was really tough getting all these players. I did, Oh yeah. And then Friday night I had Friday night at like midnight, I get a message from another girl saying she missed her bus. Uh, so she can't make it. It was just like such a nightmare having to deal with that stuff. I thought I had, you know, even the week of it was made it really tough. It made me want to sit there and be like, okay, next one, I want to charge less and get seven people and have alternates, but nobody would want to do that. You know, like I wouldn't want to sit. That's why I didn't, have an alternate that's why i didn't have take seven on a team because who wants to sit when you're playing a tournament right. you know i don't care if that's a two-day or even a three-day i wouldn't i i wouldn't want to sit i wouldn't want to rotate really um you know for the most part so that was tough um uh but overall it ran really well i, I would have liked um a more stat focused day on sunday um if you look at the the Google Doc, you'll see that the elimination numbers I even write in there that the stats were incomplete. You know, it, it really sucks because you sit there and you try to look at the totals for this tournament, and they're not accurate. Uh, even the ones who looked accurate, like the March Banks, Vince was doing a great job of getting people to take his stats, and then you look at his overall numbers. Uh, specifically, if you look at Foam, I mean, they've played that foam, his Foam team played. Um, Three, I want to say three matches. Let me double check. It's fun, Pete. One, two, three matches. And um, 
each match was at least probably six to eight to 10 games. Uh, the final championship was uh, scored five to nine, which had to be, so there had to be at least 30 kills slash catches. Right. And overall in the three matches, he, his totals only 48. So, you know, there's something wrong there. <laughs> like there, whoever was taking stats, wasn't paying attention, didn't do it well enough. Um, and it just sucks. It sucks because you, you have all these stats and the round Robin looked like it was done well, looked like for the most part it was good. But, um, then you run into Sunday and all of a sudden, uh, people, you know, and, and rightfully so people start caring about, I want to win. I'm, I don't care about stats. I want to focus on winning and I get that, but we needed better stat keepers. We needed more people to step up to do that when they were out, you know, and that's always been the problem with elite. Why did elite go to pain refs is because at the end of the day, at the end of the division of the elimination bracket, when a team was eliminated, instead of sticking around and refing like they were supposed to, they would just go home or, or do what they wanted to. And so, you know, they tried to remedy that this last year with pain refs. And if you were gone, you know, if there was no one to ref a game, uh, you weren't getting paid, you know, so helped a little bit. So I don't know. It was just tough. It was, that was definitely frustrating. Um, but you know, that that's normal. It was hard. I mean, I tried to get refs. So I, I tried, you know, a month, month in advance, putting out little feelers, uh, talking to people, and that's just a big issue that we've had and continue to have. I know there's some players who really, you know, like demand are demanding that we get like paid refs. And it's just like, where are you going to find them? Yeah, just, <laughs> are we going to find them on Craigslist? Yeah, like you can just make them materialize out of thin air. Yeah. Like the players are better than these refs. Why are we going to sit there and pay? You know, we might find some people who just need some cash and off Craigslist. And so we can get them to ref, but. That's they're going to be awful and then the players are going to be mad even more mad because <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> because it's like someone who doesn't even know the game is refing this game and it's like oh my god yeah go so, back to know. go back to the og days that's that's been done and it's 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 horrible it is oh god it is it is so you know we just you know when you have good things you need people to continue to step up and if they don't um you know People are going to get burnt out. That's why, you know, sorry to go off on a rant, but it's why Mark and Jake are, are burnt out, you know, are close to, you know, are still questioning, do I keep going forward with Elite? Do I keep going forward with the USA Dodgeball or do I just say I'm done because I'm burnt out because they're burnt out? Um, they do so much for us. And, you know, we still need people to selflessly give. Um, and it's tough. And, uh, you know, I saw that in my own tournament. Like, I was really exhausted. Like yesterday, I didn't want to think at all about dodgeball because uh, I was just tired. Like, so I had some of the captains be like, "Where's, where's the elimination stats?" And I'm like, "I'm gonna do it when I'm at work on Tuesday or something." Like, Man, let me have a minute myself. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do them today at all. Um, but yeah, you know. Anyways, those are those are maybe some of the things. Uh, just to think about that were tough. Um, there was a lot of good things. I had a ton of people come up to me, tell me how great it was. It was awesome playing with new players, you know, and then there was also players who um, thought they were coming and were all excited and then kind of got into a role that they didn't get to play that much, you know, especially someone who, who gets to play a lot, you know, on their 
regular tournament team and then they come to this and they're kind of regulated to like the fourth or the fifth or the sixth position just based off people who are on there and that was really sad to hear um yeah but that comes with the territory i mean you're you're being it mixed does come with, with the five other people you, know, you should that's the tough thing you know i think the biggest thing was expectations you know do, what what kind of expectations do you, did players have coming into this yeah you know if you had no expectations that that's a good place it's if the best you way have, to be. or if you have realistic expectations then that's a good place too but you know if you sit there coming to expectations like i'm going to play a lot and get to play with new people but i'm going to show them how good i am and all this other stuff that that sucked you know and well you're um, also not the only one thinking that either um yeah everyone's probably not, thinking that you know and it's tough too i mean you pay a hundred dollars to play and don't get to play that much don't get to throw that much like i would be upset and you know like i and i wasn't see in 8.5 i didn't throw that much at all because i knew hey i got throwers on here it's not my best ball type i had the right expectations so i wasn't mad when i didn't get throws uh, but if if that same thing had happened to me in no sting where this is my game i know i love this game and i didn't get to throw i got i got the fourth or the fifth ball only like i would have been pissed i would have been unhappy um so i can see both sides to it it's just you know it's tough um we had we did have for our 8.5 team we weren't like the happiest uh of teams but then again come sunday we won and winning cures everything. So it's like, Forget about it's kind of crazy. Cause like, if you talk to our team, especially, you know, guys who didn't get to throw that much, um, you know, I got to throw a lot in no sting and foam. Didn't really care about 8.5, but Tim, you know, threw a lot because you know, he should be Alan. got to throw a lot. And my, our other three guys didn't get to throw as much. And if you talk to them Sunday or Saturday night before Sunday, you would have had a completely different idea of the tournament having talked to them after we won on Sunday, at least one of the tournaments or one of the divisions. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's inter- interesting how winning cures everything, but, um, sorry, that's been going on a couple different tangents there, but no, oh, man, that's what this is for. It's, it's partially to recap and give you a chance to, yeah. so there's, to vent. yeah, like I said, there's some things that will change, you know, I already have, I know, um, you know, next year or, in years in the future, I know that people want to, people like the idea of a draft. People will love an idea of a three on three draft, uh, not three on three, uh, three with three. So three, uh, a co-ed draft. So three men, three women, people really like the idea of that. We'll see. It was tough. It was really tough getting, you know, invite only all these players to come out. Um, that was really tough to do. And when you have all the issues that I had leading up to it and I had to replace so many different players and, you know, like I had, and after replacing a player had to make an executive decision to like screw over a player that, you know, it's just like, man, like it definitely hinders. Do I really want to do a draft invitation only, or do I just want to do bring your own team and just you deal with your own issues? Cause that was the whole thing. You know, when you're dealing with a tournament like this, the organizers are is the one who is dealing with all the issues. Whereas at least an elite, it's the captain who has to deal with those issues in elite. You know, the elite organizers don't really have to worry about that that much. So sure. there's other things they have to worry about, believe me, but they don't have to worry about players and having to replace players the night before and all this other stuff. It's like, Oh my God. Well, you're keeping everyone happy versus, you know, 
12 or yeah, 14 teams tough. happy. It's tough. You know, and that's the whole thing. You still have to go back to the whole thing. It's like not everyone's going to be happy. Um, and that's, you know, that sucks. And that that's the kind of the crappy thing is just dealing with there's some people that liked it but didn't love it. There's some people who loved it. And, and some of those people were playing that fifth or sixth position, you know, right. and they loved it. Like if you talk to Jim, I mean, Jim – He's just, I love Jim. He's such a he, he knows his role though and he knows the expectations and he sits there and he just loves it. He loves being a part of it. He doesn't care whether he's involved or not because he knows he will be, you know, in one way or another. His moment's going to come. And you look at the championship in foam and Jim was a huge huge part of why Team Marchbanks won the foam division. Uh, was because of Jim making some huge clutch plays. I mean, yeah, you had Dylan hitting people left and right, Vince hitting people left and right, Randy, who was Team Mexico, amazing, you know, Kyle Sander, amazing, Frankie Giannetta doing, Frankie was great too, and you had those two guys who just knew their role and were so okay with it. But then you go into other teams, other women teams, other men teams, and you're having some players who wanted bigger roles, roles and didn't get it, and they were not happy about that. Um, or you just had people who were kind of not nice to them. I mean, so sad to know that we we definitely have a click in dodgeball in many different ways. Um, and there's different clicks throughout it, you know, but there's kind of a click that has a, a big, large voice, larger voice than anyone else. And it's in LA and, you know, whether I'm a part of that or not, I don't really know. I'm, I'm probably on the edge of it, <laughs> but it's sad because it's like, there's some really good genuine people who are really good players and they kind of get um, not bullied, but just, pushed aside or not cared about as much. And, you know, that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see like how next year shapes up. Like I said, um, with some of the changes that are happening and see if that click continues. Cause I definitely kind of understand what you're talking about. I've never really put words to or thought about it more than this, but I, I, I think there is something there. And, um, I did want to go back to this expectation of not having a role one of the things that I love about dodgeball is at any given time, it doesn't matter if you're the best thrower or the best catcher on your team, you will be called upon to be critical yeah. for your team, whether it's a game-saving catch, whether you hit a hot streak and you're just wiping the floor with people, but you're going to have your moment. Dodgeball is so chaotic and crazy. You can have the best plan, the best strategy, and the best roles, but something can just go the wrong way and next thing you know you're by yourself and everyone's cheering for you everyone's watching you like jim perfect example he had so many clutch moments that were just for him and he delivered so people that are complaining yeah. that they're not getting enough play time like shut up <laughs> like i mean it's this, it's really ballsy of me to say just straight up like that but it is ballsy <laughs> but, <laughs> but say, yeah ballsy. that, that kind of slipped i'm gonna blame blame the uh the pumpkin spice latte here i got i got feisty <laughs> but but seriously like you you're playing in a random draw tournament. Like, what do you expect? But I don't want to get into a, um, a rant myself. Um, I'll save yeah. that for the OG chat. That, that's the OG of me talking as well. Nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, before I before I before I go downhill, um, I guess we just leave it at that. Um, I definitely wanted yeah. to to keep this somewhat. I don't want to say short, but you know, we could talk dodgeball for for a while, as, as I probably yeah. threatened when I first interviewed you. So. Um, yeah, eventually, man, I'm going to actually get to know you more as far as the dodgeball player goes. So far, it's just been all Tribune. But um, unless you got any other closing remarks, uh, I think we can we can end there. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me again, and uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so go ahead and end the interview there. Yeah, I was about to <laughs> lay into some people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so that was a recap and the final part of the uh, Dodgeball Tribune's Invitational um, Draft Tournament. And again, I'm only speaking from my perspective, but I feel like it was a really well-run event. Um, it's great seeing it come full circle again from Tyler's first event to this one and being able to kind of pull up notes from our previous conversation and see the changes that he talked about actually become implemented. It, it's one thing to, to talk about stuff, but another to, to deliver. And I don't think there's going to be any event, at least anytime soon, that's going to be so perfect and pristine that everyone's happy and everything goes well. Uh, playing dodgeball for as long as I have in, in various capacities, there's always something that's not going to go the right way and there's just no way of pleasing everyone uh even though we try and 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 huge kudos to people like like tyler and mark and vince and glenn and jake and and, and people that really do their best to to bring on these amazing events and give us a reason to play dodgeball and then go home and record and talk about it so um i apologize if i offended anybody with my shut up remark that is very uncharacteristic of me I blame the LA atmosphere. Um, also, I don't hate people that live in LA. I just don't like the city. I am super spoiled by the vast wide openness of Arizona and I love being able to park wherever I want. In fact, I'm gonna just go hang out in the parking lot a little bit after this and just enjoy the fact that I didn't have to pay to do so. Anyway, I'm obviously going off the rails. Uh, for everyone that uh, participated, again, in the in-game interviews or in-tournament interviews, everyone that helped uh, do stats, everybody helped ref, Joe Coelho, thank you so much for helping run the event. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was really awesome for me to be able to, to just go there as a, as a witness, as a spectator, and uh, just absorb the greatness of dodgeball um, at its finest. And um, yeah, without going any further into any kind of weird rants, um, for those of you guys that uh, have come up to me and you know said you liked the episode, thank you so much again. While this formally concludes season two, um, I do want to say that I do owe... I guess myself maybe, or, or the listeners, the OG part three West Coast panel that will be hopefully done and ready to go next week. And then, uh, as I said in the previous episodes, uh, there's a couple more episodes I do want to get out. I just don't know when, especially with uh, Thanksgiving coming up and the holidays and whatnot. But um, I guess just stay tuned. Um, it's really hard not to podcast about dodgeball. So I'll, I'll take a break, but at the same time, I won't take too much of a break. So... That all being said, uh, have a great rest of your Friday, a great evening, a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time. All right, so go ahead and end the interview there. Yeah, I was about to <laughs> lay into some people. <laughs> I know. I don't know where that came from. Yeah.